Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Sanford University. Now your host, Doug Sweeney. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Sweeney, and I'm joined today by Dr. Yvonne Honeycutt, who just shared with our students and community during one of our Global Voices lectures. Dr. Honeycutt's varied career experience includes the corporate world, local church ministry, mission ministry, and managing a nonprofit organization. For over 30 years, she has partnered with the organization that designed and facilitates the Perspectives on the World Christian Movement course, a mission, vision, and mobilization course. She's currently on staff with Perspectives Global, serving the dozens of national perspectives programs around the world. And she recently authored Propelled by Hope, the story of the Perspectives Movement. So thank you very much, Yvonne, for being with us today. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Let's start out by just welcoming you, introducing you to our listeners. Just tell us a little bit about how you were brought up, how you came to know the Lord. And then I'll, I'll remind you this later in case you forget, but how the Lord got you excited about his work around the world and Christian missions. Okay, happy to. Well, I was very blessed with Christian parents. And uh, my mother led me to the Lord when I was six years old. Mm. I remember it vividly. She said, I've been asking since I was five, but she wanted to make sure I knew I was a sinner. Mm. And by six, I did know I was a sinner. Mm. And so we knelt at my bed and I asked Jesus into my life. Mm. But it was really the growth aspect happened uh, when I was around age 15. And I was privileged to go to a tremendous event called Explo 72 in Dallas. Oh, yeah. It was at the tail end of the Jesus movement. Right. And uh, joining with 100,000 young people that were just turned on to Jesus mm. uh, in the Cotton Bowl Stadium. And that so impacted my little 15-year-old life. At that point, I... Um, uh, I felt called into ministry. Yeah. How did, but just real quick, how'd you get to go to that? Did your parents take you to that or you no, workers my, in church? Or? My church was sending three buses. Huh. Well, all of Nashville. I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. And they were sending three buses from Dallas, I mean, from Nashville to Dallas. And we joined that. And I was mm. with my youth group. And wow. uh, it's where I first learned to share my faith. Mm. And that's where I first led my pers first person to the Lord, who was the oh. Dr. Pepper man selling Dr. Pepper at the back of the stadium. Ah. <laughs> and um, it's where I learned about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit wants to fill us and empower us to live a life that God wants us to and to give us the power for, for witness. And so it was, a, it was a major trajectory for my life with all those things happening at age 15. Oh, that's exciting. I've seen video and photos and read accounts of it, but I was a little bit too young to go myself. That yes, well, I am dated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what happened after that? How did you get ready well, to serve? I uh, I knew I was called to speak, but I didn't know what that looked like. And then I came here to Sanford University for my undergraduate. And in my very first year, there was the Jan term. I don't know if Sanford still has that. Not quite in the same way. Okay. So you had a special course you could take or you could spend it at home. And that particular year, I, I spent it at home. And I was struggling with the sense that God was calling me to some sort of global ministry. Mm. And But I struggled with it because I felt like it was my own uh, personal desires driving that, mm -hmm. that I just, I wanted to travel the world or I wanted to be famous or something like that. Right. And uh, so I was talking with my mother about it and went to bed one night and I woke up in the middle of the night 
And um, I, the presence of God in my bedroom was so strong and vivid. I felt like Jesus was sitting on the end of my bed. Mm. And God spoke very clearly in my heart, not audible words, but in my heart, uh, these words. He said, Yvonne, those dreams are not your dreams. I've placed those dreams in your heart. Mm. Word for word, that's mm. what he said. And so I knew that God was calling me to this global type of ministry, but I didn't know what that looked like. But to be really honest, I told the Lord, I said, okay, global's good. Don't make me a missionary. Huh. I didn't want to be a missionary. My experience in missions growing up, I just kind of thought it was boring. Oh, well, I thought you, the problem was you loved to travel so much, you thought you were being selfish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least you had that going for you. <laughs> So I just, you know, I guess uh, in my, I'm a boomer generation, and in that generation, uh, we were kind of the mission presentations were always the same. Uh -huh. And as a younger person, they just seemed like the missionaries were, you know, they'd been gone so long, they didn't have a clue what our culture was. Okay. So I was looking through the eyes of yeah. a young person. Right. And uh, so that was my thinking for the longest time. Mm -hmm. And um, I, um, I, it wasn't, I really didn't understand the, my global call and my ministry mission. Mm -hmm until I took the Perspectives on the World Christian Movement course. Okay. Was that at Sanford? No, it was later. It was post-seminary. Okay. I ended up in, uh, I did a little ministry in church, and then ended up at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth. Yeah. And where my grandfather went, actually, many, many generations wow. before. <laughs> he was a pastor. Yeah. And um, so after that, God put me in the business world. And I say that because I had grown up in a Christian bubble uh, all my life. And I felt mm -hmm. like I was very uh, not prepared to relate to the average person. Yeah. And so in consultation with my pastor, I ended up at Tandy Corp and working in the computer industry. And then yeah. the uh, company Dell Computer started and they came and raided all of the, the uh, computer companies. And so I ended up with many colleagues down at Dell in their very early days. And when I moved to Austin, Texas, I visited this church, and the very first Sunday I was visiting, they were praying off a mission team that they had raised up out of the church going to the nation of Turkey. Mm. And I started talking to people, and the people in the pews were studying Turkish, planning on vacations to Turkey. They knew about the Turks. They were praying for the Turks. And I said, I've never seen anything like this. What happened? And they told me, well, the pastor took this course called Perspectives. I said, what's that? And so uh, when I went and visited the course, I found out that there was the textbook I had in my intro to missions class at Southwestern. And so I joined the class wow. and my whole view of missions changed, but I realized that God needed to change me as well to yeah. prepare me for what he wanted in missions. Let me ask you a question about seminary. Um, we have a lot of listeners who are wondering whether the Lord has seminary for them. Mm -hmm. Probably a few of them are wondering whether the Lord has missions for them. Mm -hmm. You said some things got sparked while you were at Sanford, but you really didn't get excited about missions until even after seminary was right. over. And when you went to seminary, there weren't as many women who went to seminary as there are today. <laughs> Not so what, at all. <laughs> what were you thinking? I mean, what as you went to seminary, what do you think the Lord was doing? And how is that related to how he later got you excited about missions? Well, I believe God was giving me confidence. Uh, to be a woman in seminary at that time, we were usually one or two in a class. And I mean, going to preaching class for one was mm. difficult. Right. <laughs> but, um, 
but I knew God had called me to speak. And so I believe it gave me the theological basis, the biblical basis and so forth um, that I needed in the future. But then my education in the business world was equally as valid mm -hmm. because I was able to take um, all the things that I had taken in mm -hmm. with my faith, but then learn how to apply it in the everyday world. Yeah. And so uh, that experience taught me how valuable people are mm -hmm. in the business world, no matter what they're doing, whatever their skill, they're called and God can use them. And so being able to um, understand that and put all of that together for me was very valuable. In terms of missions, it was purely seeing a church totally transformed and understanding a church, somebody sitting in a pew or in a seat or whatever their childless seat they're in, a lay person in a church can be equally involved with God's purpose in the world as someone who goes to the other side of the world. And we just, the difficulty or the challenge is that we don't know it. Mm -hmm. And so we don't know what God's doing. And so as we get awareness of what God's doing in the earth and realize that God's called all of us to be global Christians, world Christians, and um, disciple makers, and engage his purpose in one way or the other, however he's created yeah. us, that made a real difference to me. Let me ask you to say just a little bit more about that. We're, we can move on and talk about your current work in just a second. Sure. But I'm also thinking about lay people who might be listening yes. and, and saying to themselves, I wonder what she means by that. I okay. mean, she's, she's lived her whole life traveling all over, mobilizing people for missions. She got to go to seminary, so she must be different from me. Okay. And yet she just said to me on this podcast, I can be as active, involved in what the Lord's doing around the world as she can be. That I think for some people that's going to sound counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? So uh, let's just take, for instance, someone with a particular business skill. Business skills are needed everywhere in the world. And it's not that that person needs to go, but they might find ways that they connect with people who are living in places where they can offer their training, their expertise. I mean, we can do that virtually nowadays. Mm -hmm. We can do it on a short-term trip yeah. and then get engaged with what God's doing in that land and among those people, mm -hmm. uh, utilizing their skills. Um, I always thought it was a shame that when you would ask a CEO of a company to go on a mission trip and say the only thing that we can have you do is build a house or teach children. Huh. And that's a wonderful thing, but they have so yeah. much skill right. and ability and things to offer. So looking at the ways that God has created us individually um, or prayer. Prayer is one of the greatest things. Yes. You know, welcoming the God sent the nations to us so every one of us can have a very critical piece by being engaged with the ethnicities who've come to our shores, many of them from unreached people groups. Yeah. Uh, they could be Muslim, or they could be Hindu, or they could be whatever, but they're from places where the gospel is not easily accessible. But it is here. Yeah. All we got to do is invite them in our home. We know how to cook a meal. Right. You know, and they would love that. Yeah. And just be friends and praying for people. God changes the world through prayer, and that's something every one of us can do. So there's multiple levels that we can engage. I think one of the biggest things is, is for us to even be aware, and that takes a little initiative mm. uh, to connect to, uh, to websites or to connect to things like Voice of the Martyrs and the Persecuted Church or places where we can be aware of what God's doing and then find places that we can engage with something catches our eye that yeah. fits us. And sometimes even just paying attention to and finding ways to learn a little bit about what God's doing in our own 
backyard. Absolutely. Just thinking about people who live in Birmingham, they may go to wonderful churches, but their churches may not tell them a lot about or give them a lot of evidence about what the Lord's doing with other sorts of people in Birmingham. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while, I think lay people just need just a few tools, a little encouragement right, exactly. just to think through. So how could I get involved? Yes. And I think uh, probably every city has, uh, if you're talking about, for instance, immigrants or refugees, every city has um, organizations that work to help resettle refugees, for instance. Wow. And those are plenty of ways you can get involved. You can just volunteer, say, hey, I'll be here for the family that's coming in. Let's just say they're coming in from Iran, okay. And I'll be here with this family. I'll meet them at the airport. I'll welcome them, make them feel welcome here. And, and I will go help them get set up in their apartment. Or I'll take them to the DMV to give them. I mean, that's a mm. that's a big sacrifice oh, to yeah. take them to the DMV <laughs> to help them get their that's license. Scary enough if you've grown up in town. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So these are just natural friendship evangelism sort of things they can do. But if you can impact a family that's come here from another place, they always impact their families back there. So in a sense, you are you are finding out about their culture. You're learning to pray for them, and you're sowing seeds of the gospel with them that will travel back into their countries. Yeah, that's great. All right, let's get back to kind of your story, how we got to today okay. with you. Um, what were some of the first things the Lord had you do in the area of global Christianity, missions, and so on? So um, after I took that perspectives class, I relocated back to my, that was in Austin, I relocated back to my hometown in Nashville. And um, I was reading uh, my organization's magazine, which is Mission Frontiers, and it just gives all kinds of things God's doing. And, how, and um, so I was reading it, educating myself, and I noticed that there was a, a, a list of prospectus classes, uh, and there was one in my, in my uh, city. Hmm. And so I said, ah, I'm just brand new, let's just volunteer. So I, right. that's how I got involved. I started volunteering uh, for the program. I ended up coordinating for a decade in Nashville and running a, a, an office there for mission mobilization, and we were able to see well over 100 new missionaries be raised up within that decade uh, of at least two years or more, mm. and dozens upon dozens of churches become intentionally involved in missions of all different kinds of stripes mm. and, uh, and denominations and so forth. And, and we saw things like uh, churches coming together for the ethnicities. Mm. Uh, we did, for instance, did a Festival of the Nations highlighting all the ethnicities that were coming into our city so that the church people can say, hey, they're here, how do we engage? And so things like that. And so I got more deeply involved, took a trip to Russia, spent a year there because I wanted to understand if I'm mobilizing people to engage God's mission, I'd like to be on the other side and see what that looks like. Mm. Was and that with Perspectives Global or no, how did that No, actually happen? that was with my church. Oh. The Soviet Union had just collapsed. It was 1994 and my church had been involved uh, with Russia for a while and uh, with Bible smuggling. And mm. so um, a... Um, a new church had been birthed, started by the most famous rock and roll singer in all of Russia, but he became a believer. Yeah. Uh, he had spent time in KGB prisons, but now he was preaching the gospel. And so his church was growing very fast. And so I just went over to encourage him, serve him, do whatever that he needed, and, and teach in the Bible school there. And, um, and just be there as a servant, but at the same time, I was able to educate myself. What does it look like to cross a culture? What does it look like to engage yourself into the language so that you're trying to learn it and, and to be as fluent as you can? And yeah. uh, all those sorts of things. And I was trying to 
actually, to be honest, I was testing the principles we teach in perspectives about crossing cultures to see if they worked. Huh. And so I did the things that I learned in perspectives and I found out they worked. And that made such a difference to me because it gave me a greater confidence upon what we were teaching in the course. Yeah. So your local church sent you yes. as part of a group or you were all by yourself? I was all by myself on that. Wow. I was totally connected back to my obvious. Well, I don't know. I won't say that. We didn't have the Internet the way we have it today. So we didn't. I wasn't able to be in that deep a connection, but um, back and forth, you know, from the U.S. But I was so amazed how I knew when people were praying for me. Mm. I could just sense it. And I would never have known that if I had not been on the other side when you're really feeling sick or you're feeling, you know, discouraged or uh, tired, you know, yeah. and uh, and then I would feel the energy I would get that I knew was coming from prayer. And so that began to show me, wow, prayer, you can feel it on the other side of the of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so all those little things that I was learning made a big difference for me going forward in mission mobilization. Was that a, I'm thinking about some of our listeners again here. Was that a a scary experience for you? Were you totally prepared and it was just fine? Like I'm imagining somebody who's, they're kind of inspired by your story. They want to get more involved and they Mm -hmm. think, I could never go all by myself to a place like that. What was it like and how much courage did you have to kind of muster? I will confess I'm a little adventuresome. And there's a lot of things I never told my mama. (laughs) (laughs) For a reason. Yeah. But on the other side of that, I will say God has asked me so often in my life, uh, and that wouldn't just be Russia. It would even be things that I did in the business world uh, as well as in mission um, to do things I had no clue how to do Mm. that I was completely unprepared for. And I knew that I knew he was saying, do this, like going to Russia. It was so clear. I was unprepared. I did start taking Russian before I went. So I was trying to get as prepared as possible. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I wasn't trained in missions. That was not my degree. Mm. Uh, I just knew God was calling. And so I went. And yes, it was kind of scary, but it was also very exciting. And and God prepares us. He equips us for anything he calls us to do. And I think he calls us to take that step out of the boat onto the water far more often than we are willing to really actually do. So it's an adventure when we do it and really trust him that he does equip us with everything we need. I wonder sometimes how many of us need a little more encouragement from people like you Mm -hmm. to step out and do the things the Lord's asking us to do. You know, how many of us will get to a certain point in our lives and look back and think, you know, I wish I would have had the faith, the courage, the gumption to do it because I felt like I was supposed to do it and I was just too afraid. Yeah. And, you know, if you look through history, God so often used young people for um, just world-changing things that he wanted to do. Why young people? Because I think they're a little more willing to take those risks. And they're not quite as attached to the things of the world. Yeah, they have you less know, to lose. That's right. You know, but the hardest <laughs> thing for me when I went to Russia, don't laugh, but it was leaving my cat mm. because I was so devoted to my cat and I had to leave yeah. him with my parents. And and that was really hard for me. Mm. And I will say also the crossing cultures, I realized your heart does not always follow or your emotions don't always follow what you feel like God's um, 
what you feel like you're supposed to be. So I found myself, just true confession, I found myself at some point caring more for the cats than I did the Russian people mm-hmm. because they were freezing and starving in the cold on the ice. And I realized, okay, I'm here for the glory of God in the name of Jesus. That's my sustaining motive. Mm-hmm. My emotions are going to go up and down. Maybe I'm tired. Maybe I'm, I'm mad at the Russians because they don't do things the way I want them to do. You know, those sorts of things. Yeah. My emotions are going to be fluctuating. But what sustains me is knowing that this is God's purpose. He loves them, and he is wanting them to know him. And I'm just a piece of his plan to bring them to him. And that's the sustaining motive, not how I feel any one day. Yeah, wonderful. All right, let's tell our listeners a little bit more about Perspectives Global and about the new book that you just did called Propelled by Hope, the Story of the Perspectives Movement. Can you give us just a little intro to the movement so that we know what it is? Sure. Sure. So Perspectives is 50 years old this year. It started as a result of the Urbana Missions Conference for Mm -hmm. Students. And uh, Dr. Ralph Winter, who started this course, um, he was at that Urbana, and there was a remarkable um, um, result of students that were saying, yes, I will go. I will be a part of what God wants me, whatever he calls me to in the world. And Dr. Winter says, well, we need to have help them to know what God's doing in these, in a, and have a foundation upon which to go. So he started this perspectives course. So we're 50 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, we have now grown. It was mainly just U.S. for the first I don't know, five, four, no, maybe the first two and a half decades. And then it began to go global. We do not try to export the uh, Perspectives course, but we wait for those in the nations who want to have it in their nations to awaken their churches and to mobilize their churches to get behind what God's doing in the earth so that they can send their own missionaries and they'll have churches who will support them and pray for them. And so um, Perspectives is a 15-week course. It lasts... um, over a semester, and the uniqueness of it, it has a different instructor every every week that brings their experience or their knowledge to the particular topic, and we look at what God has done throughout history, what he says in his word, his purposes are globally, understanding that, what he's done throughout history, and then we look at what he's doing today, and what are the barriers to the gospel, so what are these challenges that we need to address whether we ever go or whether we sit on a church's mission committee or whether we're praying, we know how to address those challenges because we understand them at a deeper cultural and strategic level. So it's an awakening, it's a vision course. Um, in terms of Perspectives Global, I um, we get to work with the cream of the crop. Uh, and we're in 45 nations. And so we're working with leaders from all these different nations that generally are national leaders at their uh, association or denominational levels. And so they will pull together other churches and leaders who will uh, run courses in their in their country. We just come alongside them in the first few years. We help equip them. We help train whatever they're needing. But we expect them to be self, self-taught, self-led, self-funded within about two to three or four or five years, depending on the the uh, economy of that of that uh, nation and some of the fruit we've seen come out of it uh, i will just give you two examples in uh, rwanda we had the very first truly indigenous rwandan mission agency started mm. uh, a young couple that took perspectives and had been involved with the kairos course a sister course of ours and they saw the need for an indigenous Rwandan mission agency. And they started, they already sending their own missionaries mm. and they're supported by the Rwandan church. 
And in Malawi, our newest pro, one of our newest programs, uh, our leader there is a national leader. He says, I, Malawian, the Malawian church has always seen themselves as a receiving church. And everybody else, you know, the, the West comes to us and we receive. And he says, so my goal is to turn Malawi from a receiving nation to a sending nation. Mm-hmm. And he is he is fast doing that in perspectives is just one of the tools in his tool belt. So we're seeing those kinds of results. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so can any church get the course? Is it difficult to get the course? Is it expensive? What do people want to do if they want to have their sure. church benefit from this? So uh, going to perspectives.org, okay? And uh, you can see there more information about what the course is, and you can click on a map and see the cities that it's offered in. So in a city, for instance, uh, we try to see at least two or three churches come together Mm -hmm. to host this course. It'll be usually spring or fall. And you can uh, connect to the class in your city, or we have an online option. Mm -hmm. So our online cohorts uh, start every two months, and you might be in a cohort with people from all over the world Mm -hmm. that are taking this class. And so you you read on your own timetable, but you discuss together and turn in, uh, you know, your response papers and things like that on a weekly basis. Yeah. All right, thank you again for the talk you gave to the students over lunch today. You're welcome. We want our listeners to listen to the recording, you know, online. Can you give them just a little teaser? What do they get if they tune in and listen to the talk that you gave today? Yes, so we were talking about how um, God gave Abraham this vision of uh, there's going to be, that through his seed, all the nations will be blessed. And we see in Revelation how there are some from every tribe, tongue, and uh, people, and nation. And this has been God's purpose, but he is really populating that vision, filling that galaxy, as I like to say, today in this generation, as there's more people alive today to be reached than ever before, but the church is larger. And so God has equipped every one of us to join in this mission to see the last people groups, the ones who still have zero access to the gospel, uh, ways to pray for that, ways to connect to that so that we can uh, see this galaxy populated with every tribe and tongue and and people uh, that God designed to uh, love and know and worship him. I remember you talked a little bit with the students, too, about the the 1040 window. Yes. That's something that in seminaries gets talked about a lot. And okay. I bet a bunch of lay people in churches have heard it before, but they might not know exactly what that is and why missionaries like you emphasize it. Oh, okay. So the 1040 window is a parallel window from 10 and 40 degree latitude uh, on the globe. But what it encompasses, if you think about it, is all of North Africa, all of the Middle East, and over over into China. And this is where the uh, most unreached peoples in the world live. It's also where most of the neediest peoples in terms of poverty and health and life expectancy and those sorts of things are. Um, But this is the, the places and the peoples that have the least access to the gospel. And in some places, zero access to the gospel. Uh, our greatest challenge, as we have done even more research lately, is India. There are more what we call frontier people groups with almost zero access to the gospel in India and the subcontinent there than any other place on earth. So if if you pray into India and look at, uh, you could go to joshuaproject.net and look at all the people groups are there and see uh, how to pray for them because there's prayer resources. Then uh, that's another way to help bring in the kingdom. Because when we pray, God answers. And Jesus said, um, 
He said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers. Well, if there's no laborers among those peoples, then that's our responsibility to pray that he will send out those laborers. All right, Yvonne, thank you. This has been wonderful. You may not know this, but we always end these interviews with guests by asking them what the Lord's doing in their lives these days, just as a way of edifying our listeners by way of conclusion. After all these years of ministry, is the Lord still teaching you things? Is the Lord still doing things in your life? And if so, is there one of those things you could highlight and encourage our listeners with? I will give you the one from this week. How's that? Yeah, that's great. (laughs) So um, in preparation for this, actually, I was reviewing the story of how the gospel came into Mongolia in this last 50 years. And I was so impressed as I read these biographies or um, stories of the power of prayer. And I realized, I just don't believe like that. And I can pray, but it's more of a begging sometimes. And it's not the expecting near as often as it should be. And I was challenged as I was reading, as we so often are when we read about missions. I was challenged about how those on the front edges, they just learn to pray and believe and expect God to answer it. Mm. And so I I put that into practice this week because I was facing a very, very busy week of travel and teaching, speaking uh, like this. Today was my sixth time in five days for a few hours each time. And so um, I knew from my own personal history that I get really weak and weary. My voice goes out. Mm -hmm. And so I asked people to pray, you know, and this time I really expected God to totally carry me through and my voice not to give out. And that's exactly what happened this week. And I'm so excited to go back and report to my prayer partners. Thank you for partnering with me because you are the ones in your prayer that made that happen. Mm-hmm. But it also taught me, Yvonne, expect more. Uh, when, you're, when you're seeking to do what God's wanting you to do, expect him to show up and do the things for his name and for his glory. That's great. Oh, what a wonderful way to end. Listeners, you have been listening to Dr. Yvonne Honeycutt. She is with Perspectives Global. She has spent many years uh, as a missionary and mobilizing other missionaries and teaching people what the Lord is doing around the world. We're deeply grateful for her presence among us today. Uh, We tell you, you ought to go check out her book, Propelled by Hope, the story of the Perspectives Movement, and consider taking one of these uh, classes. classes, yes. A wonderful way to get excited about and uh, learn how better to participate in what the Lord is doing around the world. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, listeners. We love you. We're praying for you. And we say goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from the campus of Samford University. Our theme music is by Advent Birmingham. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our engineer is Rob Willis, and our show host is Doug Sweeney. For more episodes and to subscribe, visit BeesonDivinity.com slash podcast. You can also find the Beeson Podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Thank you.